Hello ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, and I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. On our episode today, we're going to talk about this idea of counting calories, the drawback of counting calories, probably some of the perks that some people see with counting calories, and mainly the thing I want to stress to you here is that all calories are not equal, and I want to just kind of frame this in a way that is going to be a little bit more simplified and a way that when we're thinking about calories, we can make it a lot simpler for ourselves so that we can really give our bodies what it needs, not what the calories are telling us that we need. This idea of listening more to our bodies as opposed to these external cues, such as something on a piece of paper or something that we're logging into our phone. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about, this idea of counting calories. Before we start the episode, have you grabbed the newest freebie, five simple things you can do today to keep your self-healthy for tomorrow. If not, you can look in the show notes and there is a link there as well. Okay, so let's talk about this idea of calories. I think we live in this world of calorie obsession. We, as a culture, are so focused on the calories we get into our bodies and also the calories that leave our bodies. And yet the rates of overweight and obesity have never been higher and they are continuing to rise. So we know that despite all of this information about calories, that something isn't working. So when I first started as a dietitian and counseling patients, I would tell patients to log their calories. And I think I just like didn't have enough knowledge or I just hadn't had enough knowledge and experience at that point. And so I had this patient that I, you know, we were talking about it. She started logging her calories and very quickly I figured out that she probably wasn't someone who should be logging her calories. She became very obsessed about the calories And so not even listening to her body because she was just so focused on the numbers and the, the amount that she was able to eat as she went through the day, not taking into account any, anything, any of the foods that would make her feel good or any, anything like that. It was just basically this obsession of focusing on calories. And so that probably wasn't the best decision that I've done in terms of as a dietitian, but like anybody, you know, there's lots of mistakes to be made in order to gain the knowledge and the experience. Um, In my own weight loss journey, I've done Weight Watchers in the past, and I'm sure some of you out there have done that too, back when there was the point system. And so I noticed that I would be like in this place where if I only had a hundred calories left, it didn't matter what it was that I ate. I just wanted to try to stay within that 100 calorie range. So even if I was starving and I needed to eat something big, maybe I would just settle on popcorn because it wasn't going to kill my calorie budget. And so I know that a lot of you out there have done counting calories as have I. And I know how it feels like that if you go over your calories, um, 
if you go over them, you feel like you have a bad day or it impacts the way that you feel about yourself, that maybe you feel like that you're bad or that you're not diligent enough or that you failed. And then I know the feeling too, where you are coming under budget when it comes to your calories where there is this sense of satisfaction or this sense of pride that you were able to maintain this calorie goal that this um, app is telling you that you need. And so maybe you're somebody who you start at calorie counting. I mean, it, it does seem to work for the short term for some people. Um, so maybe you started counting calories and it worked for you in the beginning, but maybe the longer you did it and the harder it was to achieve those calories every day, um, you just kind of got, got into this attitude where you were just like, fuck it. And then you kind of go back to this idea of yo-yo dieting. And so you didn't really learn anything from the experience of counting calories in the sense of what your body needed, you're learning and you probably became really proficient at figuring out how to do the math of keeping your um, calories within a certain and a certain range. And, and, and in doing that, sometimes I think there tends to be this like over restriction of food that your body probably may not need. And then probably the, the most important thing I think of why my perspective changed when it comes to calories and what I tell patients and even what I talk about on this podcast is this idea that when we're focusing on calories alone, we, I think that it just kind of fuels this idea that we're not listening to our body because we become so focused and our mindset has then shifted to external cues. So when you're when you're logging your food and you wear your Apple Watch and you do all these things, right? You're you're knowing that like, okay, I have to do this many, I have to have this many calories per day. Um, so we're really like focusing on these external cues that are telling us what our body needs rather than the internal cues that our body is giving us. And in a world where we are so disconnected from ourselves, and I think social media and these apps and all of these things that are really great and convenient for us, sometimes lend itself to creating a little bit more of that disconnection when it comes to how we feel and the food that we put in our bodies and the amount of physical activity that we do. So today I wanted to have this conversation about calories in a way that would be clearer, simpler, and really to have this idea of focusing on our health more than our weight and our weight loss that we want. Because I think when we focus on our health, I think that's kind of where that internal motivation comes from, much more so than getting to a place that we're just logging the information um, and hoping to maintain motivation throughout the journey. So before, you know, we really dive into this, because this is something that is so common for women to experience, please share this episode if you feel like another woman or anybody could benefit from it. Because in sharing this episode, this is how we change the conversation when it comes to what is out there in the diet industry and really start focusing on our health. And, um, and I think that's really important for women because I think so many of us beat ourselves up in terms of what our body looks like. Um, there tends to be a lot of eating disorders, um, any kind of disordered eating, what we're giving our body maybe isn't what our body needs and it just creates more and more disconnection. So please share if you feel like, um, 
you know, somebody else could benefit from this episode. When we talk about calories, let's dig in here a little bit about how calories are defined, right? So our bodies need energy to survive, right? The energy that our bodies need come from food and beverages and the calories that we get out of these foods or the nutrition that we get out of these foods, the energy that we get from these foods are the things that are going to to allow our body to perform at rest. So at rest, meaning all the things that our body needs to do that we probably don't even see all of the things that are happening on a cellular level, all of the pathways that are happening in our body, the fuel that our body needs to move to have brain power for our organs to function. So when we talk about calories, calories in itself is just a way to measure how much energy is in a food or beverage, right? So when you eat a food, it's how much energy from the food is released in your body. So I went on to Merck Manual because I was trying to figure out how they even decide like what a calorie is. And so a calorie in nutrition, we call them kcals, but um, for the sake of keeping this really simplified, we're going to talk about calories. So with Merck Manual, they basically are talking about when there is a particular food, that food sample is placed in an and I'm, I'm quoting it here, in an insulated oxygen-filled chamber that is surrounded by water. And this chamber is called a bomb calorimeter. calorimeter, calorimeter. The sample is burned completely, and the heat from the burning increases the temperature of the water, which is measured, and which indicates the number of calories in the food. So in a lab, we're able to see, okay, this particular food is and provides this many calories or energy in general, right? But as humans, we don't live in that vacuum. And what is taking place in a lab in terms of the calorie of that particular food may be completely different with what is happening in the human body and the reactions that are happening in your own body. This is important because how our body works is very different than getting the amount of calories from a sample in a lab um, or something that is in a lab environment, right? So most people say, okay, how many calories do I need? Well, it usually is varied according to lots of different things. Um, Some of the things that will determine how many calories your body needs in particular is your age. Typically, the younger you are, you need more, and the older you are, perhaps you don't need as many calories at rest. Your weight will also talk about how many calories you need as an individual. So typically, the more weight you have, the more calories you need because you were probably expending more energy in the world because you have more weight that you are trying to fuel and make sure all those reactions are taking place. A big one is how active you are. So the more you move and the depending on the kind of movement that you're doing, what kind of physical activity you're doing, that is going to really um, take into 
consideration how how much your body needs. So for instance, if you're somebody who has a lot of metabolic tissue, if you have a lot of muscle mass, that is very metabolically active um, tissue. So you're probably going to require more calories. Somebody who is less active probably won't need as many calories because you're not moving as much. Um, and then a really big one I think a lot of people forget is different disease states. So you could be someone who has, who may be sick, maybe you need more calories. Um, as you know, like I've worked in a cardiac ICU where I've seen patients need a ton and ton of calories just to be able to fuel their body to be able to survive. Um, in that setting, in an ICU setting, we have little machines. We have a machine called an indirect calorimetry machine, and that allows us to see what that patient needs at that particular time. But it's not constant. It changes all the time. It, it will change based on if the patient has fevers or just what's happening in the patient's body. I also work in a dialysis clinic at present, and I'm surprised to see how many patients probably don't need as many calories, um, especially if they're older than they would have probably years ago. So there's lots of different things that are going to, um, you know, tell us how many calories we need as a person. And again, so much of this nutrition information is individualized according to person. And so a lot of times we go and we do these calorie equations to see as a general guideline how many calories you need because mostly most people are trying to lose weight. In this population of over 40 women, it tends to be about weight loss and you may be somebody who's right there. And so maybe you're somebody who's going in and you're typing in, what's my energy expenditure? How many calories do I need in a day? Well, that's great, but what happens is, is a lot of those energy equations are off. They can be over, they can be off by over 100 calories or under, I'm sorry, over 400 calories or under 400 calories. So it's such a big range, which is why in the hospital setting, we used to use that indirect calorimetry machine because it's much more accurate because it's according to the person and what's happening to them at this particular time. Calorie equations are helpful because they can give you a range, but you may notice that if it gives you a pretty high range, you know like, oh, I can't I can't do that many calories because I'll gain weight because they're just meant, they're not really individualized according to to you, they're individualized just, you know, according to what your height is and what your weight is. But it doesn't, when it's looking at your weight, taking into consideration like how much lean body mass you have. So there's just different things that it doesn't always make it, um, it doesn't always make it accurate. I think the benefit is why most people use them is because it is, it's like, BMI in a way, in the sense that it's like a quick and useful tool. So it can give you a range, but it's not always accurate. So just so that you know, you know, they can, they can be over, they can, you know, over predict how many calories you need by 400 or under predict by 400 too. So those calorie equations aren't always right, but maybe it can give you and provide you a guideline of like kind of where you need to shake out. Now, the other part of this is the metabolic makeup of the foods that you're consuming. So we all need food to help our body be able to do the things that it was designed to do and to survive, right? So you're going to need 
calories, which we'll call for this sake as energy. So you need the energy from the food and beverages you drink for breathing, for brain function, for creating new cells, and for all the things that your organs, tissues, muscles, and everything else that it needs to survive. And you have periods of time when you have, when your body is breaking down down cells for what it needs, and then you're going to have periods where your body is building new ones. And all of that requires, you know, requires some kind of energy. And so when food is in your body or when you get those calories in your body, it's so different from a lab because a lab is just like, okay, this is how many calories you have. But when it's, when you have those same calories that were tested in a lab and now you have them in your body, once it's in your body, you don't know what pathway your body is using. You don't know, you know, every food has a different pathway that it uses. And so each process expends different amount of calories too. So it's not equal in that sense of what is in a laboratory is equivalent in your body because in your body, you may have different pathways that are uh, that are using those nutrients in a way that your body needs it and maybe it's using it more efficiently or less efficiently. And so once food enters your body, it then has to figure out like, okay, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to now like get the energy that I need to fuel this person's body, right? So what your body is doing is it's saying, okay, do I need do I need energy right now? Is there something that's happening in this body that I'm in that needs that energy? Do I need to store it for a little bit later where I'm going to store it in my muscles and you're going to store it in your liver? Or do you want to store it because you have some excess there? Do you need to store it for a longer period of time? Because maybe there's going to be a time in the future that your body will need to have those calories or that energy for when it needs it. And so there's lots of different things that occur. And one of them is, you know, we have all these different hormones and the hormones, um, the hormones affect like the different pathways. And so that comes into play, but we're not, I'm not going to get into that too much. I'll get into it a little bit in like a second. Um, but I'm not going to go into all that. Cause I think it gets really, I think it's, it's, I'm trying to keep this pretty simple and it can be a little bit tricky. So basically, once your once that energy or that food is in your body, now your body's trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do with it? And if it decides that it needs to use it now, it goes down one pathway. If it decides that it needs to, you know, store it for a little bit, it'll go down a different pathway. And if it goes, oh, I think I need to store it for longer, it'll go down a different pathway. What makes things a little bit um, trickier is that the different macronutrients that you use will be will also do, go down a different metabolic pathway, right? So when I talk about macronutrients, so the foods that you eat, they're basically going to be broken down into carbohydrates, they're going to be broken down into fats, they're going to be broken down into protein. And so each each pathway or each macronutrient may require a different pathway in order to get what it needs, the source of energy from that food. And what can further complicate this is that you may have a disease state or you may have something going on in your body that may be different or need a different pathway than somebody who doesn't have the same disease that you are, that you have, right? And so that's why like 
this whole like one size fits all doesn't work for everybody because everybody's different. Your hormones may be different because you may be in, you may have just had a baby. Your hormones may be different because um, you're pregnant. Your hormones may be different because you may be premenopausal or maybe you're menopausal. So all of those things are different. If you're somebody who has um, pre-diabetes or diabetes, maybe that's even different because then your hormones are going to be different because your insulin resistance may be different. And, you know, something else that's complicating is, is that you can have the same, you can have the same calories of a particular food, but if the composition of the food is different, then it's going to be absorbed in different ways. Okay. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a quick example here. So each food has like a different calorie makeup, right? So for instance, when it comes to carbs and proteins, there's about four calories per gram of that carb or protein. But then when you have fat, it's nine calories per gram, right? So most people, well, back when I was younger, most people would avoid fat because they would say, oh, I don't want that, those extra calories. But what we didn't know at the time was that that sense of having those extra calories, having that fat was able to, you know, give you more calories, right? Which a lot of people didn't want it because of that. But the other benefit of it was that it helped, it helped with cravings. It helped with like feelings of satiety or feeling of fullness that you weren't always able to get with having carbohydrates and protein. So it's looking at this. And I think when we talk about calories, is having this shift from that you're trying to lose weight and to really have that shift that you're really focusing on your health. Because if you're somebody who's listening to this, you're probably somebody who's over 40 and health is going to become a bigger issue for you as you start to age. Cause you're going to start to see like, Oh gosh, I'm not as invincible as I once thought I was. And so that's why we're talking about this is to kind of have that start to have that shift in your mind so that you're not like demonizing food in the form of calories, but you're really looking at what it is you're putting into your body, how it's going to be the most, the most useful for you. And also that's going to provide you and make you feel good. Um, but that's also going to hopefully help you get off that whole like calorie counting regimen that you're probably doing now. So Carbohydrates are the foods that most women avoid the most, right? I think that it's kind of this whole whole idea like, oh, I can't eat carbs. Oh, they're going to make me fat, right? So I want to just talk about an example with carbohydrates. So every food is created different. So your fats, your proteins, your carbohydrates, they're all created different in the sense that they all provide something different. Calorie range, they're different. Um what they provide in terms of nutrition is different, but then also each of these different foods provide something helpful in the sense of what it's doing to your hormones, right? So we're going to just talk about like when you're eating things that are like complex carbohydrates. So these are going to be like your whole grains, your fruits and vegetables. What's really great about these is that this is going to give you your vitamins, minerals, it's going to be foods that have fiber in it. And you're going to have like in this category, you're also going to have foods that have, that have carbohydrates in them, like maybe dairy, you're going to, 
you know, maybe apples. You're going to have things when you're talking about carbohydrates that are going to be like, oh, I shouldn't eat it, but they're really good for you and they provide something in your body. This could also be like beans, potatoes, like sweet potatoes, things like that. But then you have this idea of you have these like man-made carbs. And these are the things that are like cookies and cakes and candies, right? And so what happens is, is that these man-made carbohydrates, they've been refined over and over again so that as they're being made, some of that, most of the nutritional content is taken out of it. So for instance, if you have a food that is 100 calories, say you have, um, let me think of something here. Say you have like oatmeal right? Oatmeal in the morning. And that's about mm, maybe 180 calories. Okay. So oatmeal is going to be filled with, it's going to have vitamins, minerals, and more importantly, it's going to have fiber in it. But then you take another carbohydrate and you say you take something else that is 180 calories. So say you have like a cookie and that cookie is 180 calories. So you compare oatmeal to cookies. So they're both, when you're looking at carbohydrates, they're both the same amount of calories. They're both 180 calories, right? So you think if you're just doing calorie counting, you think, oh, I can have either or because they're the same amount of calories. The difference is, is that the oatmeal is going to provide, it's going to provide your body with things to keep your body optimized, like vitamins, minerals, and fibers. And this is also going to help because it has these great things in it, reduce your risk of certain diseases. If you eat the cookie, which again, you can have the cookie. I'm not knocking the cookie, but I'm just trying to show you the difference. Still 180 calories, but it's all devoid of nutrition. And all it has in it that's giving anything to your body is the calories, right? So they're the same amount of calories, but the oatmeal will give you vitamins, minerals, help you with disease prevention, And the other one, the cookie is not going to give you anything except it's going to give you calories. Those calories are then going to spike your blood sugar. So you'll notice you may like feel good right away, but then an hour later, you're going to feel really tired. Maybe you're going to feel hungry quicker. You may, that's probably that cookie is going to help make you crave more and more cookies, right? Because you're going to get that like dopamine hit. And it's going to create more and more inflammation in your body because it doesn't have any of the nutrition that your body needs to help fight that. And then in the long term, it's going to help, it's going to help cause more disease. So if we're looking at it in calorie sense of like, what's going to help bring me closer to disease or what's going to help prevent disease, maybe start thinking about it like that way. So you can see that all calories aren't equal. The oatmeal is going to do more to help you stay healthy. The cookie is going to be something that is not going to, it's not going to help you in the long term stay healthy. So in terms of health, you're eating the same amount of calories when you're eating the cookie or the oatmeal, but it is doing something very different in your body. And it's either helping your body out for the long term or it's not. So we each require like a different amount of calories that our bodies and what that cookie or that oatmeal is going to do in your body is going to be varied according to individual. So if you are somebody who is eating oatmeal, 
it's probably going to be okay for most people. Um, if you're somebody who has like IBS or, you know, or you can't eat a lot of like whole grains because, you know, that, because you have something that precludes you from doing it, that's okay. But if you're not somebody who does that, then I would say that that's probably going to be the option that's going to give you more bang for your buck. Also, if you are somebody that has like pre-diabetes or diabetes, well, then eating that cookie is going to be a little bit harder to do because eating that cookie, right, is going to going to go in your body because it doesn't have any of the extra nutrients to help your body because it's just, it's going to break down really fast and your body is going to it's going to start to become, your body's going to release insulin from your pancreas. Over time, as you keep eating more and more of these foods, the more resistant your body becomes to that insulin and the more at risk you are for prediabetes, diabetes, heart disease, NASH, NASH is a non-alcoholic, um, steatic, hepato- uh, hepa- I think it's hepatosis. So it's basically like what happens if you're eating too many um, sugary carbs that are like refined and all those conditions in general re- lead to increasing inflammation. And so that's why, you know, the calories aren't created equal because they do different things in your body. So if we kind of really put the focus here on like, what is this doing to my body? How does this make me feel? I think you're going to get, I just think it helps kind of put that in perspective for you. And I think it's easier to feel like you have that like internal motivation of like, oh, um, I want to eat this today because you're internally motivated by how it's going to make you feel versus having this external motivation of keeping up with whatever is um, in your calorie log. So the the foods that you eat, mainly like these macronutrients, like your carbohydrates, your protein and fats, they all have different metabolic pathways to get you to where you need to go. Um, and, you know, each each one, each of those, each of those macronutrients take you down a different path to get to the final result that you need, right? So, um, you know, we talked about on here about like, with that last example with the cookie, right? The cookie is going to not give you any nutrition. It is going to require insulin to be released into your body to help break down those sugars. And then over time, your body, the more it continues to do that because you're eating more and more of those foods. At first, it's going to be nothing because it's going to be really easy because your pancreas is working normally. You don't probably have any diseases that are you know, doing anything to that. But then over time, the more you're doing that, the more insulin that you're releasing from your pancreas, the more resistant your body gets, and then your body's not able to break it down. And so that's why, you know, you'll see people that have like an increased risk of prediabetes or diabetes. And in the U.S. alone, I think there there was like a statistic that I saw from Cleveland Clinic that basically said that one in three people have pre-diabetes. And typically pre-diabetes is asymptomatic and the only way that you know you have it is you go into your PCP or your primary and they do a hemoglobin A1C test. And then if your hemoglobin A1C is greater than 5.7, then you likely have prediabetes or the higher it is, the higher your risk for diabetes. So if you're somebody who hasn't 
If you're somebody who hasn't gotten a hemoglobin A1C tested in a while, it probably wouldn't hurt because there may be other things going on in your life than maybe the last time you had it done, if you've ever had it done, and it just might provide you with some information. And I think sometimes too, when we know that there's something going on in our body, we're, we're always like, oh, let me try to fix that. And that might also help you um, feel like it might help you kind of identify and feel what's going on in your body so that you can make the changes over time. So basically the takeaway in all of this is, is that, you know, let's just focus on like what it is that you need that your body requires. The, you know, we, we are not in a lab as individuals, so it's impossible for us to know how many calories our body needs every single day. Um, you know, because again, these calorie calculators are going to over underestimate us by about 400 calories. And then two, I think there's an over or underestimation of what we, what we, what we burn off to when we're, when we're doing the different activity trackers. So the only way that we really know for sure is kind of like looking at where you're kind of shaking at. If you're somebody who's been able to like maintain your weight and that's your, um, and that's kind of your goal, then whatever you're doing is working. But again, it's different for everybody. So it's just trying to figure out and be more in tune with what is happening in your body. So the takeaway here is, I know you're like, what is the takeaway? Is let's start to shift from having this control about our weight onto this idea of really our health. Because again, I think this is where we're this is where it's going to kind of get us to a place that we're able to get the information that we know to see what our body needs. Um, and I think, again, like when we're focusing on weight, we're not really listening to our own internal cues. We're not listening to our cravings. We're not listening to if we're feeling hungry. We're not listening to does our body feel better? Is our emotional eating better? We're not taking any of that into consideration because we're so focused on a number. So let's start to kind of like think about that shift. Also, in terms of like foods, eating, like what to eat, you know, I've done so many episodes on different diseases and different things, and it always comes down to like eating your whole grains, eating less refined foods like your cakes and your cookies and your donuts, um, eating fish and lean meats and veggies and fruit, and knowing that, you know, the more processed the food, the more refined it is that it's going to have an impact on your insulin levels if you're somebody who has prediabetes or diabetes. Now, in saying all that, I'm also not demonizing food here either. You don't live in a lab, you don't live in a vacuum, and so it's not going to be what you consider perfect every day, and nor is it the goal. The goal here is to have some kind of balance in foods that make you feel good, that make your body feel good, that help with your cravings and help with your hunger. And then you're also going to have foods that you just like and that you enjoy and that you have a preference for. And that's okay. But I think it's just like knowing what is happening to your body and really being like, okay, this makes me feel good. I'm going to do it. And knowing if there's something that's emotional going on or if there's something else to it. Now, if you're somebody who is logging calories, what do you do? Well, I think you have to figure out what works for you. I am not here to tell you what to do because you know you better than I know you. But if you're somebody who is like that patient that I had who is obsessive about calories, I probably wouldn't count them because I think it gets to a lot of like disordered eating and disordered thinking. Um, 
And it might get you in a place where you're going back and forth in your yo-yo dieting, which in the long term isn't going to be healthy for you. Um, I think with calories, why we like to do it is because it feels very controllable in a world where we often feel like we don't have any control. Um, But maybe I would say if you feel like you need to do something, you know, I always say to do like just kind of get out a notebook and write down the things that you eat. That's what I do. Um, Because what is helpful by doing that is it's not like you're logging the food and being like that you're going to judge it. In doing that, it's a way that you can really figure out like what emotions preceded this event. Was I feeling like, especially if you have emotional eating, like I do, like, I think it's really helpful to be like, okay, this emotion led to this binging event or this emotion led to this craving. It just gives you some information about yourself that if you're focused on just the calories alone, you may miss. So you may need to do something in terms of feeling like you have some control. Um, And I think it's just, you have to figure out what works for you. If Logging is something that works for you. Just pay attention to the yo-yo dieting and pay attention to the cues and pay attention if you're if you're listening to yourself. But if you're somebody who really struggles with emotional eating, I would say write down the food that you're eating and the emotions associated with it. Um, because again, I think with logging calories, it works for the short term, but over the long term, it's harder to maintain because people generally don't like to do that. But I think that if you're able to really connect with... Um, if you're able to get into a place you're able to connect with your emotions, then it it might be something that you can do more freely. You don't have to always write it down, but I think writing it down helps. Eating food that makes your body feel good while also eating foods that you like and enjoy is going to be important. And to know that each day is going to be different. And some days you're going to crave foods that, that may be really caloric in your, in your, in your sense of the world, but maybe it's something that your body really needs. And then probably the next day, maybe you won't crave it as much, or maybe a couple of days later, you won't crave it as much. But I think really here, it's just to really start listening to your body, knowing that every day isn't going to be the same because every day is going to be different. There's going to be different stressors. There's going to be different physical activity that, that you may do. Um, there could be days when you don't feel good that might impact something. If you have a disease that is, um, that's like making you inflamed or like just contributing to some, some kind of emotions you're feeling, you may notice that the things that you crave and that you eat are different because again, you don't live in a vacuum where you eat all the same things all the same day and that you have to be perfect. It just doesn't exist. I would say in terms of movement to kind of do a mix of cardio and weights to kind of help get you in a place, um, I think both of those kind of provide different things to your body. If you're doing cardio all the time, I think that there's like a risk for being, um, I think with anything, it's like trying to create a little bit more balance because I don't know if the idea of balance actually exists, but it's maybe being a little bit more balanced than you are right now. So if you're somebody who's doing a lot of cardio, maybe do a little bit of weights because we know in the long term that's going to help with muscle mass. Um, and just probably going to also make you feel stronger. There's just different things, but, um, you know, what you require or what you're doing or what you feel like doing in terms of movement is going to change all the time. And really, I think just kind of trying to get, create as much, um, as much of a balance as you feel like you need for that particular day. 
every day is going to be different. Some days you're going to feel like you want to do one thing and another day you may feel like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go hardcore and heavy with my cardio. And another day you may not need that. Your body might be telling you that maybe it's just a yoga day. And so that's okay too. All of this kind of all of this kind of comes into play. And why I'm talking about physical activity is because we're not just talking about calories in, we're talking about calories out. And so you don't always have to be in a place that you're like, I have to get the maximum amount of calories out because I ate this particular food. Because that's like, you're you're just punishing yourself. What you're trying to do here is to shift to a place that you are becoming in a place that you feel like you're being a healthier version of who you want to be. And there's some days where you might not be able to do a lot, that maybe yoga is exactly what your body needs, but you're never going to know that unless you really start to listen to your body. Again, it's what you're eating, calories in, what you're getting, what you're doing in terms of movement, calories out. So we're talking about calories in all. Um, Again, calorie counting may work in the short term, but how sustainable is it in the long term? The goal here is to do something that is a lifestyle change that you can maintain forever. And only you know the kinds of foods and the kinds of physical activity that make your body feel good and that makes your body feel like you enjoy it. And so I can give you all of this information, but you have to figure out what's working for you and what doesn't. And if something isn't working in your current life, trying to figure out if a different approach would maybe work better. And some things when I, when we talk about like listening to your body, before we get off this episode, I want to talk about some things that I want you to start thinking about. So when you're talking about listening to your body, I want you to start thinking about like how the things that you eat and the physical activity you're doing is making you feel, um, do you feel good? Do you feel tired? Are you feeling hungry? Do you feel like you have more energy? Are your cravings better? Is your emotional eating better? Because that's what happens sometimes too with doing the physical activity. If there's this outlet that you have that is going to help with your emotional eating. Um, Do you feel like your clothes are fitting better? Do you like the way your clothes are, are fitting? And so it's it's all of those kinds of things that I think might be better parameters than the number on the scale and the number of calories you're taking in. And when we focus on those external cues, all of these really important things of hunger, fullness, energy, lack of energy, cravings better, cravings worse, emotional eating better, emotional eating worse, all of that stuff, all of this stuff tends to be the root of why we eat or overeat in general. So if we're just focusing on the external stuff, we forget all of the things. And then it's going to be really hard to maintain that weight loss for the long term because we're taking we're taking out the things that are probably the root cause of the things that are making us you know, gain weight in the first place because we're not dealing with them. And I think a lot of times with hunger and fullness is which I really believe in. That's a really hard thing to, to learn. I think it takes some time. And so perhaps if you're in a place like me, where it's a little bit harder to identify hunger and fullness, because maybe you've been so disconnected to your body for a long period of time, just kind of looking at your emotions and writing down what you eat and just identifying little things over time, as you keep doing it, you will be better at really starting to understand your body when you start listening to your body. And so maybe that's where you start today is just to kind of start thinking and just kind of listening to what your body is telling you. So again, and when it comes to calories in, calories out, it's so much more complex than just logging something in, in your, in your chart or your book or wherever it is, or your, or my fitness pal, or, you know, whatever app you're using or, um, lose it. But, you know, basically 
you know, you are the, you know, what's best for you. And so it's just this idea of shifting and what's going to help you, what's going to help your health, what is make, what is going to make you feel good. And only, you know, the answer to that. So I appreciate you listening today. And if you found this episode valuable or maybe even refreshing because we're not talking about like how many calories you need and why you need to count calories, then please share this with anybody that you know um, so that they can get the same relief that maybe you're getting from this episode because you, you feel a sense of relief that like, okay, I can start focusing on the content of the foods I'm eating as opposed to the calories of the food that I'm eating. And as a housekeeper, a reminder that you can grab your freebie, which is in the show notes, which is five simple things you can do today to keep yourself healthy for tomorrow. Because again, this is all about keeping our health, maintaining our health and being, you know, being a little bit more involved with our health and taking control of our health and what we do now and how it impacts our future. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening and please share this episode with anyone that you feel like would benefit. Have a great week. I will see you back here next Thursday.